Hello and welcome to the Reorg Europe podcast. It's Thursday, February the 11th. I'm Richard Woolley, editor in Reorg's London office, and today I'm going to be speaking to primary reporter Sarah Warden and head of Covenant Shweta Rao about ASDA's debt package, as well as catching up with my fellow editor Luca Rossi for the latest on KME. Rumours of a mammoth debt issuance by UK supermarket ASDA to fund its acquisition by TDR Capital and the Issa brothers were circulating in the market well before Christmas, at a time when investors who had endured a relatively fallow period in September and October were keen to put their money to work. There's a shopping spree joke in there somewhere, I'm sure. Due to the pent-up demand, some expected ASDA could even come to tap the market before Christmas, but investors had to wait until the start of February for the initial terms. Sarah Warden, who covers the European primary market, has followed the deal closely. So the initial sentiment was one of slight disappointment, especially for CLOs, given the small size of the loan tranche in relation to the overall size of the debt package. Now, to put it in context of the total debt of £3.685 billion, the package consisted of a £195 million term loan A, £2.25 billion in senior secured notes, £500 million in senior notes, and then the €840 million Euro term loan B. There's also a multi-currency £500 million four-and-a-half-year RCF and a £190 million 364-day RCF. So the deal was set to be among the largest ever high-yield sterling issuance. Depending on exchange rates, the senior secured leg may even beat the record for the largest single tranche ever placed in European high yield. Immediately after the the deal came out, there was speculation about the small size of the equity contribution that was backing the deal. So the FT reported that sponsor owners TDR Capital and the Acer Brothers would pay less than £800 million of their own money to take a controlling stake in the supermarket, which is a fraction of the £6.8 billion valuation. So this would be achieved through the debt raise, a sale and leaseback of the ASDA Logistics Division and the sale of the petrol stations to EG Group. Okay, and for anyone who's not familiar, can you talk a little bit about where ASDA sits in the UK sector as a whole? Now, in the UK, discount retailers Lidl and Aldi have been steadily gaining market share, especially during the pandemic as people become more conscious about spending habits. So ASDA bridges the gap between these discounters and the higher priced supermarkets such as Tesco, Sainsbury's and Ocado. But to become more competitive with the discounters, ASDA is likely to lower prices and the benefits from this strategy may erode quickly if competitors such as Tesco follow suit, as it has been known to do in the past. But supermarkets have largely been considered one of the darlings of the pandemic and ASDA is the third largest grocer in the UK market, with 614 stores and just over 12% market share. And it does have a sizable online presence. Um, the group is the second largest online grocery retail platform in the UK, and it holds just under 20% of market share as of the end of December 2020. And that's up from 16.5% at the end of 2017. Okay, and how has the market received the deal now it's finally here? What have investors been saying? Well, for investors, the main risks revolved around relatively high leverage, low and declining EBITDA margins and competition among UK supermarkets. 
Now, pro forma for the deal, the group will have net leverage of 4.2 times as of September 30th on a post-IFRS 16 basis. And this is higher than peers' average of 2.9 times. The group's adjusted EBITDA margin is lower than its peers and it has been declining for the past few years. So investors also pointed out that the group's levered free cash flow after CAPEX and leases have been solid from 2016 to 2018, averaging around £929 million. Reorg expects EBITDA margin excluding fuel to be in the range of 6 to 6.2% and CAPEX should be limited to between 2 and 2.3% of revenue. Now, it's worth remembering that despite the sale of the petrol stations, the group is backed by an asset portfolio based on 485 as the store and office sites. The portfolio has an aggregate capital pricing of 9.355 billion as of October this year. Now, final pricing for the 2.25 billion pound five-year senior secured notes came in at 3.25%, and the coupon on the 500 million pound six-year senior notes finalised at 4%. The €840 million Euro term loan B priced at par and will pay a margin of Eurobor plus 275 basis points. So all told, the high demand for this debt is testament to the strength of the current market. Any initial doubts about the sterling tranche reaching subscription have been very quickly set aside. As of Wednesday morning, in fact, the unsecured notes were oversubscribed by 5.5 times and the secured notes twice over. Thanks, Sarah. Now, as with every new deal that comes to market, the EMEA Covenants team has analysed ASDA's offering, and I spoke to Shweta Rao about the main points of interest. Hi, Richard. Let's start with additional debt capacity. The group has an above-market standard amount of capacity to incur further senior secured debt. On day one, it could access collateral dilutive debt under its general purpose baskets, aggregating to 254% of pro forma EBITDA. 254% is higher than the current market standard for such additional debt capacity. For January, the average was 181%, and over the last three months, it was 214%. The debt covenant was also a concern for allowing priming debt incurred by non-guarantor-restricted subsidiaries. Their creditors, whether secured or unsecured, have recourse to the asset before the note holders can claim anything remaining. Now, there is a 50% EBITDA cap on incurrence of debt by non-guarantor restricted subsidiaries under the two times FCCR ratio basket and the general debt basket. And at first glance, this does look favorable. But when you see the ability to convert certain restricted payment baskets into structurally senior debt baskets, it's more risky. The second area of concern is value leakage. ASDA will have extensive capacity for real estate sale and leasebacks. Real estate sale and leasebacks have a generous basket of the lesser of 1.2 billion and 1.4 billion minus whatever is used by the capped recourse securitization basket. Further, proceeds below 350 million, which equates to around 30% of the pro forma EBITDA, are carved out of the asset sales covenant altogether and could be used for a restricted payment or an investment subject to the restricted payments covenant. The package also includes an off-market basket for repaying subordinated or parent debt. Now, you and I have talked about J. Crew a lot on previous podcasts, and 
from what I can gather, it's read its head again on this deal. Is that right? In a way, yes. The ASDA package has a J.Crew blocker, which restricts transfers of material IP to affiliates by way of restricted payments or permitted investments. Investors will likely have been cheered to see this being offered up in the preliminary OM without them having to go and ask for it. However, this looks to be an easy giveaway for ASDA. To put the value of the blocker in context, intangible assets as of September 2020 were reported to be 659.7 million, of which 508 million is goodwill. But what the presence of the J.Crew blocker highlights is that not all J.Crew blockers are the same. They could have deficiencies. For example, investors need to make sure that the J.Crew blocker and their deal covers not only IP, but also any other crown jewel assets. They should also consider whether they want the blocker to be for the transfer from the guarantor group to the non-guarantor group as such transfers could facilitate priming debt. J.Crew blockers are a topical issue this year. A J.Crew blocker was included in a term sheet last week, and Iceland, which just launched a 250 million senior secured notes offering, also had a J.Crew blocker in its covenants. But prospective investors should consider whether it needs to be tightened up. The bottom line is that whether a J.Crew blocker is required or not should be a consideration in every deal. Turning to KME now, Luca, a lot's been happening there in the last couple of weeks. Can you bring us up to date, please? Hey, Rich. So KME, which is a German-Italian copper products group, has finally got the lender's approval to extend its borrowing base facility of 395 million euros, which was maturing now in February 2021. This is both good news as the company's liquidity does depend on this facility, as well as potentially bad news as the banks extended the facility by only one year and not by two years as permitted by the terms of the facility itself. Okay, and why is that? Well, that's a good question. Uh, In a few words, we don't know. We know for sure that some lenders are nervous about the sharp rise in copper prices, uh, which translates into increased funding requirements for KME. Reorg previously highlighted the implication of rising copper prices on KME's funding, especially in the context of the reduced working capital funding after the termination in October of another facility that the company had, which was called MKM Borrowing Base Facility. Also, don't forget that the bonds of the company, which amount to 300 million euros, are due in February 2023, which is not that far away. Right, and just to put that in context, whereabouts is copper trading at the moment? It's around uh, 3.72 US dollars per pound, which is its highest in the last five years. Okay, and does all of this taken together have any kind of consequences for the company's operations as a whole? Well... It could. Reorg reported a couple of weeks ago that KME has been conducting an M&A process for its special products division. This process started around a year ago, was halted due to the COVID-19 pandemic, and then was restarted in May 2020. KME got three bids so far. 
Some sources tell us that the process is proceeding very slowly at the moment. It could even be halted again. Bear in mind that KME is targeting a high single-digit multiple valuation for its specials division, which is based on 2020 EBDA. In terms of liquidity, KME is also working to finalize a loan guaranteed by the Italian government through its credit export agency, SACE. The loan should amount to about 100 million euros, but it's quite unclear when and if the company will be able to get it. Thanks, Luca. As always, you can read more about each of these situations on the Reorg website, reorg.com. We'll be back in a couple of weeks' time with another Reorg Europe podcast. But until then, stay safe and thank you very much for listening.